This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. I mean, every museum will have NFTs in this outline, vision I'm outlining, because every cultural production will have a corresponding non-fungible token that demonstrates the ownership and provenance of that token. So everywhere where you've got Michelangelo, you'll have a Michelangelo NFT to demonstrate your, uh, that that museum is in control of that. And when it's sold and or transported, it will be um, the transportation of the artwork and ownership over the NFT at the same time. So every museum will have NFTs. The voice you just heard belongs to Chris Berg. He's the co-director of the RMIT Blockchain Innovation Hub at RMIT University in Melbourne. Chris is also a board member of the Worldwide Blockchain Innovation Association, and his contributions can be found in various books and on many prominent websites like The Conversation and Coindesk. Chris is here to talk about NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, and the form that they will take in 2031. My name is Arvind Yuvaraj and this is Futurescapes, an audio time capsule that's not just a prediction of the world to come, but a record of the world that we are in now, with technologies in their infancy that could one day change everything. NFT stands for non-fungible token, which is a terrible, terrible name if you want to <laughs> communicate it to people. Really what we're talking about here is digital assets, digital assets that are cryptographically secured um, using blockchain technology, which is the underlying technology behind cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Um, it's actually a really interesting um, uh, economic um, uh, technology. Um, so non-fungible token means that you can demonstrate conclusively and with a, um, uh, with a guarantee that will be recognized by others that you are the sole property owner of any given digital asset and potentially um, real-world assets as well, which is where I think the space is heading. Um, at the moment, though, NFTs are being used for um, – they're being used experimentally. So they're being used for art, artistic works. Um, there's a lot of really interesting challenges about, well, do you actually own those artistic works and if you can't prevent anybody from copying them? Um, and there are other interesting infrastructure challenges like, well, where does the actual artwork sit? But I think what's interesting about NFTs is not necessarily how, being, how they're being used right now, but what they suggest about the way we interact with um, not just art, but really everything we own um, uh, in, into the future. So the whole point of this show is to act as an audio time capsule of sorts. Uh, we take a technological concept and predict, using what we know now, where it'll be in 10 years. So effectively 2031. Why 10 years? Because it's not too far that it's unpredictable and it's not too close that it's too easy, you know. So let's say we are in 2031 now. What is happening with NFTs? Where are they? Yeah, sure. So I, I actually think we can make some fairly solid and concrete predictions. I'm terrified about listening to this 10 years from now, but I, I think we can make some clear predictions. The first thing that we can say is that um, this technology allows us to digitally represent ownership claims over digital and physical goods in perpetuity in a way that can be um, uh, cryptographically demonstrated. Um, what this means is um, things like the property title that um, some listeners may have on their house um, could be much more securely demonstrated on a as a digital asset 
on a distributed ledger. And I might say the same thing about my um, the ownership over my car, but even things that I don't actually demonstrate the use of. So you know, maybe I've got expensive musical instruments. I might be able to demonstrate that they are mine and so forth. Um, I'd be able to tokenize my ownership of that. I'd be able to put it on a blockchain. And then I'd ask the courts to recognize that that property was actually my property based on my control over that token um, if there was some sort of property dispute. I'd also be able to do interesting things like um, lend out against it. So we, we in our homes, we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of collateral. We've got a lot of capital. We can't really use a lot of that capital. I, um, I own all sorts of things, none of which I can use to either demonstrate my, um, uh, my, my net wealth um, to banks or um, to loan out against those smaller pieces of capital, you know, smaller than your house and your car, right? Um, with a tokenized property system that NFTs sort of suggest we are heading towards, I'd be able to do much more um, complex financial transactions with the property I own, taking advantage of all the um, I- implicit wealth in my in my property. And so that, that's really exciting. And we know, um, particularly in the developing world, how um, poor quality property titling has um, really holds back entrepreneurial activity. It prevents people being inter- able to interact with the financial system. And I'm, I, I think when we look at NFTs now, this weird internet thing, um, and we can debate about whether it makes sense for someone to buy and sell a JPEG file, but I think it suggests for a much richer future where we're able to use our property in much more interesting ways and take advantage of what we own. How did they get here though? Because, you know, what was the sequence of events that brought them to this state in 2031? Uh, so, so NFTs can be compared with their opposite, so fungible tokens. So the idea of something being fungible means that you can um, trade anyone for another one of that same thing and you won't have lost or gained any value. So if I give you um, uh, one, one Bitcoin or one dollar, or um, then you can easily give me a Bitcoin back. Even if it's a different Bitcoin, we won't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, it's fungible. It's exactly the same. The idea of a non-fungible token, a, a digital asset that was unique to itself, could not be traded equally with an, any other tro- uh, with any other token. That comes from um, some early experiments in 2016, 2017, with um, actually online games, things like CryptoKitties. So um, the um, release of a game that allowed you to breed your own digital cat and then then breed it with other cats and make new cats and all that sort of thing. So just a silly game, um, not sure what the utility was. But over the last couple of months, as um, we've, we've experienced this bull run in cryptocurrency, a huge, huge spike in interest and spike in demand for cryptocurrencies, we've seen the resurgence of um, really serious artists getting into non-fungible tokens. Um, so... Uh, there's quite a famous digital artist called Beeple. Mm-hmm. Beeple um, uh, does does online art, and he managed to sell a um, non-fungible token of one, just one of his pieces, for $69 million um, or US dollars. The artwork that I made is very much influenced by the tools and influenced by the work of a bunch of people in the crypto community as well. Hey, Mike, this is Jason. I just want to say congratulations. You're at $25,250,000. crazy, man. Jesus Christ, what the hell? Oh, oh my god! god. It's oh, 50 million! What? Oh my god!
69 million. I think it probably means digital art is here to stay. I'm going to Disney World. So there's some very serious artists working in this space now. Um, just starting from that weird and kind of silly and kind of pointless CryptoKitties game that was released just a couple of years ago. If I went on social media in 2031 on news portals or whatever form it's in then, are NFTs still dominating the news cycles? Like, is it still disruptive um, or has it been normalized by then? I think a lot of this stuff gets normalized. Um, I suspect that we won't even be talking about blockchain as a concept. Um, in a couple of years, it'll just be part of the economic infrastructure. And the idea that you can demonstrate cryptographically that you own something, that it's that it's shown on a distributed ledger, that won't be weird and that won't be interesting, but it will be just a part of your um, of, of the background noise of your life um, in the same way that we would show you know a, a property title to a building, you'll you'll then um, if you need to, and if you had to demonstrate it in court, you'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to formally demonstrate it cryptographically. Um, so in that sense, NFTs, we're excited about them right now. Everybody's talking about NFTs because they're interesting. Um, they're unusual. They've got some strange properties. Um, but ultimately, all we're talking about is property registers. And we don't talk about property registers much right now, um, uh, traditional ones anyway. Um, so, I, so I think they'll recede into the background as we as we just get used to it. Doesn't everyone have to sort of agree to a certain kind of technology for that to happen though? Like um, the understanding of an NFT or, or, you know, people haven't even started to grasp crypto on a whole yet, you know, especially a lot of financial industries, financial sectors. Um, isn't that a huge task? Don't you think it takes like 25, 30 years for them to fully absorb this into the the culture? I think you would be surprised how quickly these things can change. And um, the way I think about it is um, the role of social media in um, in our lives right now. Social media just a decade ago was a peculiar thing. We would joke that, um, you know, why would you care if, what someone ate for breakfast? But now social media, we're talking about Facebook being at the absolute center of domestic and even international politics. We're talking about the core role that Twitter plays in whether the President of the United States can communicate. Um, it, these are very fast changes in very short amounts of time that radically reshape the way we interact with each other, the, even our economic relationships through Facebook Marketplace, through eBay, through Amazon, all these sorts of things. So I, I, I or my expectation is that this will be a lot quicker than you think. As to, you know, do people have to understand it? Well, not really. Not everybody understands how a website functions at the back end. Not everybody understands how their mobile phone functions um, uh, on the inside, but they do understand the value that they get from it. So the, the challenge for the blockchain and cryptocurrency space is we have to demonstrate that we are making highly valuable innovations and products. There has to be a way that this doesn't happen, right? Like there has to be a version of 2031 in which NFTs are, quote unquote, that insane thing that happened during that insane <laughs> pandemic year. Yeah, look, uh, I would not dismiss the, because um, I think there's a lot about 20, uh, 20 and 2021 that we're going to forget about. Um, uh, <laughs> Tiger King. Um, so, so you know, there, there are some challenges here and there are some unsolved challenges. Um, first of all, we could discover that there are some um, uh, underlying security problem with blockchains, that the technology to um, secure these assets just doesn't function. I don't think that's the case. We've had blockchains now for 10 years, but um, that's a possibility. The other possibility is that there are some really unsurmountable architecture problems. 
So it's all well and good for me to um, demonstrate that I own a piece of artwork on the internet. But that piece of artwork, while I might my property title over that is secure, it's not necessarily being stored on a blockchain and it may just be deleted from the internet. So I might be able to demonstrate that I own something that doesn't exist anymore, that has been completely deleted. These are not hypothetical problems. These these are um, uh, happening right now and, and people are solving for them, but it's a real challenge. Um, there are some other issues. Uh, it's quite possible that legal systems may not recognize the ownership over these um, uh, over this sort of property. I turn up and say, I've got a digital token that represents my house. And they look at me and laugh and um, say, well, why wasn't it um, uh, why wasn't it reported to the local council? Why isn't it on the major property registry? There are some political challenges. A lot of governments aren't big fans of blockchain and cryptocurrency as a technology. So there's a lot of ways that this might not work. Um, I don't think any of them are likely to pan out, though. I think the most likely outcome is it's not necessarily that we're going to be buying and selling JPEG files on the internet from each other that can be freely copied, but the technology, the infrastructure that we're building now will become a permanent part of the of the financial system of the property system that makes sense because even if it does fail um nfts show the world the the value of digital art and digital assets and i guess the capabilities of the technology and and blockchain as well right well that's right and that's what is hard to predict about the next 10 years because if you'd asked me five years ago what do i think is going to dominate the cryptocurrency news cycle what am i going to be talking about on radio programs, on breakfast television, I wouldn't have said weird digital artworks that are being sold on a blockchain. I would, have, I, I could have said something else entirely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if I'd written down my predictions, then it'd be totally different. But, but what I should have known, and I think what how we should think about these things, is that these innovations are highly unpredictable because there are thousands, tens of thousands, even millions of people looking at the strange possibilities of this new infrastructure and thinking, hey, that's I, I could do something cool with this. And a lot of it will fail. A lot of it is experimental, but some of it is working and some of it will make a long-term change to the way we live and work. So we've mentioned Beeple a couple of times and his artwork and when Beeple's artwork sold for 69 million dollars we assume we assume it's because it could be worth a lot more in the future where is Beeple in 2031 like what is he doing <laughs> look it may uh, I, uh, this is not the point of your question but it may not be because they thought it would be worth more over time it may just have been um, the um, joy of owning that particular piece of artwork um, uh, people well, well could be richer than all of us combined, um, and good on him if he is. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot more beeples and a lot more experimentation from artists, and and that's something. Else. So I, I, I spend a lot of time focusing on um, the, the developer community, the economics community, looking at the infrastructure, but the cultural community is very excited by this. Um, people who, uh, and if you work in the cultural business. Um, you know, it's very hard to fund your your art. It's very hard to fund the production of music, the production of art. It's very um, and and people who work in the cultural industries are always looking for new ways to monetize what they do, um, just so that they can keep their um, uh, culture afloat, so that they can keep um, producing stuff that audiences want to hear, or watch, or listen to. 
Um, and and so when I see people experimenting with it, that's that's a sort of that's a big win of a that suggests there's a there's a huge army of artists and creators um, uh, chasing chasing these ideas. It's funny, you know, because I've been following people for a few years now, and suddenly this guy, this guy who put obscene artwork on my Instagram timeline on a daily basis, um, could become the next big artist of our time. I hope you bought some of it. I hope you bought some of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, no. Unfortunately, no. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, we might have been following uh, the next Michelangelo on Instagram without even knowing it. <laughs> but I mean, well, I've, I've, but it makes complete sense. I mean, it, there's um, Michelangelo, um, the great Renaissance artists, they commuted with the audience in the way that made sense in, um, in the Renaissance. And now um, artists face new challenges, but they face enormous opportunities in, in this space to find very particular distributed um, uh, audiences, and and if you think about if you if you lived in you know cities in Europe that, uh, as a creator in the Renaissance, you only had the inhabitants of those cities to sell your art to, to share your art with. Now we live in a world where someone like people can share his art with um, uh, uh, Malaysia, with Australia, with the UK with the US, anywhere on the planet um, instantaneously. And we can choose to be part of that or not, but um, that, that, that's cool. That, that globalization of the audience um, is an underrated um, uh, part of the, the modern cultural production. Are there museums and art centers in 2031 displaying NFTs and digital artwork? Um, because the way I understand it is that NFT is geek culture legitimized or geek culture in a big way. Um, it's collecting limited edition Star Wars cards or sports merchandise or that limited edition album that only has 100 copies. And then the reason we collect those things is to display them somewhere. We want to show people our collections. We want to flaunt them. So where are the NFT owners flaunting their expensive collections in 2031? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think a few things have to change. I think we've got to get used to flaunting um, uh, the ownership of artwork that we didn't make. And our internet as it's set up, our social media networks are not very well structured for that. Um, if I bought an artwork, I, you know, where would I put it on my Twitter? I could pop it on my feed or something, but I'd like to be able to show it or, or something along those lines. Um, but I do think that there are um, uh, digital museums. There are um, muse real world museums or um, in real life museums that um, show digital media already. But um, to directly answer your question, I mean, every museum will have NFTs in this outline, vision I'm outlining, because every cultural production will have a corresponding non-fungible token that demonstrates the ownership and provenance of that token. So everywhere where you've got Michelangelo, you'll have a Michelangelo NFT to demonstrate your uh, that that museum is in control of that. And when it's sold, and or transported, it will be um, the transportation of the artwork and ownership over the NFT at the same time. So every museum will have NFTs. Um, uh, a lot of them will be digital, but a lot of them will be traditional. That's exciting. That, that's right. It is super exciting. Um, and, and that's one of the challenges, of course, if I buy something like that, how would I display it in my house? Am I always going to have a um, an LED screen um, flashing around. Um, you should probably turn it off in the evenings. Um, uh, but again, you know, in the museum case, we, we have digital artwork in museums already. We've got a lot of um, televisual art, 
that um, is displayed in modern museums. Um, so in, in one sense, this isn't that, that big a jump, but, um, but I think what you're coming to is uh, what we're talking about here is not really the frontiers of technology, but the frontiers of culture. Um, and museums and cultural institutions have to adapt to these new ways that people want to express themselves and audiences want to see those expressions. Mm-hmm. Obviously, NFTs can't exist in silos. Um, their success or failure will impact the blockchain and will impact crypto to some extent. What is the ripple effect of NFTs in the next decade? Um, uh, there's going to be enormous regulatory changes required. Um, there's going to be enormous changes really to the, the, the structure of the way we um, uh, demonstrate ownership. So that means the legal profession has to adapt to these new ways of doing the court systems have to recognize them. The regulators have to recognize them. Policies have to recognize them. But also companies and individuals, we have to find new ways to interact with the world. Some of the work that I do um, in the blockchain space is um, adapting this weird, kooky, online magical internet money to traditional business rules and processes. So um, how can... Um, how can how can a company interact with Bitcoin that it's on its books? It knows exactly how to interact with dollars. It knows how to interact with fiat currency, but it doesn't know how to interact with um, uh, with with digital internet money. Um, so there's a lot of major changes that are going to have to um, go through, and they and we're on that we're on that journey right now. Um, it's it's variable depending on industry, but. Um, uh, I think we, we're going to have to get used to, and it's not just the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, we're going to have to get used to acceleration and technological change, change demands, not or not just change supply of technology, but changing demands from consumers as they, as they increasingly want to experience traditional economic relationships through new media. Um, I want to be able to interact with my bank in a new way because I know that technology exists. So why won't they allow me to use that technology to log into my account or, or to, to, to um, send money to, to colleagues or friends? Um, so so that I think there's, across the economy, economy-wide, we, we've got a huge amount of technological adaptation to, to deal with. So I guess the most important question is the human question, right? The tech can be anything. It can be whatever, you know, but we are the ones living it and we are the ones living in it. So do you like this version of 2031, the one that you just described? Like, is it ideal? Is it exciting? Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly exciting. Um, I, I, as I said, one of the biggest challenges is how do you fund the production of cultural products? Um, and any new tools that we have to do so is unambiguously good. I have no idea how those tools are going to be used by individual artists. Um, uh, and one of the exciting things about dealing with creative businesses, um, people in the creative side of the economy, is just the sheer imagination of the new ways to interact. Um, uh, we're going to see um, bands release albums as NFTs. We're going to see much deeper individual engagement with artists themselves, ways to show that you're a, a fan of an artist or a musician or a filmmaker um, and show ways to appreciate that as well. Um, but at the same time, this is also fully open culture as well. So even if I'm not a $69 million art investor for people, I still can enjoy people's artwork by going to the website and, and, and scrutinizing it and looking at it 
in detail, um, uh, getting so much of the value out of it without having to put down the $69 million. Traditionally, um, a, a big buyer like that, uh, an art patron would just take the artwork and put it in their private gallery. Now we can all see it. Um, so if there's new ways of funding art, I've compared this to a traditional patronage system in the past, if there's new ways of funding art, um, that means there's going to be more art and there's going to be more access to that art because it's fundamentally an open cultural system. So that, yeah, no, to conclude, yes, absolutely, I'm excited. I think it's really cool. You can find Chris Berg on Twitter at Chris Berg, that's C-H-R-I-S-B-E-R-G, or on his website at chrisberg.org. On the next episode of Futurescapes, we'll take yet another up-and-coming concept and see where it'll take us in the next 10 years. For now, though, here's a snippet from the 1960s of a kid, probably about 12 or 13 at the time, predicting the events of the year 2000. This has been Futurescapes on BFM 89.9. First of all, there's computers are taking over now. Computers and automation. And in the year 2000, there just won't, won't be enough jobs to go around. And the only jobs there will be will pe- be for people with high HQ, you know, high IQ, who can work computers and such things. And other people are just not going to have jobs. There just aren't going to be jobs for them to have. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.